one of the psalmists said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He may have had a week like some of us have, which is a bit frazzled. He may have had a week uh, like some of us have had that's a bit faithful. Or he may have had a week like some of us have had that is a bit fatiguing. Whatever the week he had, he managed to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We will join him in that as we join together in song with a hymn of praise. Let's stand together and sing. For the path ahead. Clothed with such divine light, Jesus commanded us to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in God's triune name and teaching the way of Jesus. By loving God and our neighbor, 
we discover the very heart of our faith, the essence of our discipleship. Sisters and brothers, out of the abundance of God's mercy comes this good news that God has forgiven us. This is good news indeed. We rejoice in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church, and welcome to our chapel where we will be meeting this summer. I've been told by the audio committee that they have a brand new sound system in here that's going to take some tweaking. And they said so, uh, they're not asking for criticism for a few weeks. I'm sure that will come in due time. Uh, just And by the way, sermons are the same way. No criticism for a few weeks. I'm in due time. <laughs> so uh, they'll be tweaking for a bit. But welcome, especially welcome to those of you who are guests today. We're glad that you share this time of worship, which includes communion today with us. And all are invited to participate uh, at the Lord's table. There is on the edge of your order of worship uh, a welcome card. Uh, if you're a guest today, if you'd complete that, it'll help me connect name and face with you and drop that in the offering plate when it's passed. Also, it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need uh, every week. So if you have a prayer request, you can place that on the card and drop it in the plate as well, and it'll be an honor to pray for you. This summer, this summer we are doing a series in our church school on uh, church doctrines. It's called Stumbling Toward Faith. And so I've planned a sermon series to mirror that, to parallel that journey. And today is the topic of authority. We'll be listening to scriptures that Baptists look to as uh, uh, authoritative, but also we listen to, as John called Jesus, the Word of God, as Jesus said to his disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples. All authority on heaven and earth is given to me. And so we will tune our hearts to hear these words as we worship God today. Welcome. God's word brings light to our lives. A reading from Psalm 119. A question. How can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. 
Do not let me stray from your commandments. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here ends the first lesson. Now let's say our prayers. God, we are grateful for this intimate space for worship during the summer. Gather us in with all that we bring, our distracted hearts, our rain-drenched hearts, our sad and grieving hearts, our cynical hearts, our anxious hearts, all these things that leave most of us half-hearted. We place these with you today so that we may be on the transforming journey as people who follow the way of Jesus with wholeheartedness. Today we bring you our love and care for Bruce and Sylvia Dick and all of Wilton Looney's family as they grieve. We will do our best to hold Wilton's big story up into your everlasting story and lay his body down beside Martha later this week. And God, we are naturally feeling our own hearts out of sync as a community. Wilton's death is a particularly poignant loss after what has already been a string of deaths among the beginning generation of Northside drivers. Emotionally, we're as wobbly as the steeple that fell off the roof of the church just the other day. Or emotionally, we have that awful orphan feeling that we have no matter how old when both parents die. So grant us courage and remind us today that as followers of Jesus, as your children, we have a mandate and we have agency. We are not without help. It's a guided tour, your word to illumine our path, and your authority to make whole, the very same authority you gave to the disciples to make and shape lives defined by mercy, love, and justice. There are a lot of things. There's Korea. There are persons in all the region dealing with the effects of flooding, mud way over their mud boots. There is the muddy and ugly discourse that happens when social media is, is abused and anything but social or kind and loving. There is a de indeed a lot going on. You already know, God, but may we consent to the guidance you give and the presence you promise, now and to the end of the age. Amen. second lesson, Paul encourages Timothy to stay firm in what he has learned about Jesus, a reading from the second letter of Paul to Timothy. Now, you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, 
and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse and deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is used for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. sisters are here, but that's okay. So I want you and I want all of you to do something with me. Come on over. Let's take three deep breaths. Ready? Why is it important for us to breathe? What does it do for us? It helps you calm down. That's a really important way. Yes. It also is important for us to live. We need the oxygen inside of our bodies to keep living and going and keep us healthy. What else do you do or what are some things that you can do to take care of yourselves? Do you eat healthy foods? Sometimes, hopefully. Yeah. Do you, maybe you pray praying can help take care of ourselves. Or maybe you sleep. Sleeping is so important, right? That's very important. Well, there's a story in the Bible about a time when Jesus was at the synagogue, which is kind of like the church. And he was there, and it was the Sabbath, which is the holy day, which means it's kind of like a Sunday. It might have been a Sunday. So he was at church, and there was a man who had a hand. His hand was very infected. It was, it was sick. It wasn't, it was hurt. And he couldn't use it. What do you think that would be like if you couldn't use your hand? What do you use your hands for? You probably use your hands to write. You use one of your hands to write. Yeah, you're, yeah. Do you use your hands to make things? to carry things, to tie your shoes. There are lots of things that we use our hands for. And this man, couldn't, he couldn't use one of his hands. And so Jesus told him, hold out your hand. And when he did, his hand was healed. Jesus healed his hands. But the thing is, it was the holy day. 
and people were very upset that Jesus was working on the holy day because you weren't supposed to work on the holy day back then. But Jesus said, you know what? It is more important. People are more important to me than rules are. And I think that's really powerful that Jesus cares more about people than he does about rules. And we can trust that God, no matter what is going on, God is always going to take care of us and help us be healthy, right? So you can always believe that, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for Jesus and for his compassion for people, for the love that he showed every single person, and for his willingness to break the rules for others. In your name we pray. Amen.
Jesus gives the disciples authority to make disciples of all nations, reading from the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always always, to the end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I appreciate it that scientists are working on the audio system, and I want to check out and see, is everyone hearing okay? Is this working all right for you? All right, good. They're saying yes, Brian. Good. Well, the topic today is authority, so I think I'll start with a story of an author. Once upon a time, there was an author who had lost his way. You know, J.R.R. Tolkien said, not all who wander are lost, but as William High says, some are. (laughs) Indeed, this was an author who had lost his way, and he thought, I need to go see Somebody who knows the way. I know I will go see Mother Teresa. This is a few years ago, of course. I'll go see Mother Teresa. But how in the world do you get in to see Mother Teresa? If you're from Chicago and you're going to Calcutta, how do you get to see her? So he talked to a person who talked to a person who talked to a person, and the appointment was made at 3 p.m. on Thursday. He was guessing that 3 p.m. on Thursday in Calcutta, India is probably not what he thought it meant, but it was worth the risk. So he travels. He gets there. He prepares. He goes, and it's the wrong day. He goes back the next day, the wrong day. Finally, he's about to leave, and Mother Teresa, a very petite woman, walks through, and he sees her. Something about him must have communicated how desperate he was When he said, Mother Teresa, I have an appointment. I need to see you. But she threw up her hand and said, I don't feel well today. I can't see you. And turned and left. He was crestfallen, like this epiphany was going to turn his life around, and she wouldn't even speak to him. But perhaps because she sensed his urgency, she stopped, turned around, looked him in the eye and said, now go on and live your life. It's going to be all right. You have everything you need. He said that was it. She was gone into the darkness to attend to those who needed her. He said, I didn't get what I wanted, but I got what I needed. I got a sense of authority to live my life Go on now, live your life, it'll be all right, 
you already have everything you need. Though she did not mention God, the gravitas of her presence reminded him that he was already in the envelope of God, enveloped by God's grace. The way I would say it is, she had authorized this author to claim the authority to co-author his own life in partnership with God. Well, that's the hope that I have for each of you and for myself today, that that traction point will be for us. This abstract notion of authorities are really difficult to get our footing on. And so what would we do with that? What would it look like with, with doing what Jesus said? He who has all authority given to him is given, giving us that authority. And he pretty much said the same thing. Go, make disciples, live your life. You have everything you need because I will be with you always. How do we take that, though, and translate it into our lives? Well, I've got two things to say about this notion of authority. I want to remind you of some of its history of the church and also invite you to hope. Memories of history, invitation to hope. Here's the first thing. The history of the Christian faith has found its authority in basically four things or four ways. There is scripture, there's tradition, there is reason, and there is experience. Now, if you come from a Methodist background or if you are a scholar in Methodism, that you will recognize that that's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Did you cover this today, Corbin, about these areas of authority? I was busy uh, doing a few other things, so I missed out on the wonderful presentation. But Wesleyan scholars call that the Wesleyan quadrilateral. quadrilateral. Anyway, it's like a box. <laughs> there is the scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. We look to those as the Christian and the Christian faith and as a Christian church, and I want to walk you through them quickly. First is the scriptures. We at Northside Drive do not traffic in the in the, the vernacular of the naive at least we try not to, that some of us grew up with preaching that says, well, the Bible says, S-E-Z, the Bible says, but some of you have been at it a little bit and uh, used the scratch and sniff version of the Bible, I guess, got a little deeper than the topical text and realized that there was a whole culture behind every language, you know, the translator is considered to be a traitor because every word has a story behind it. Words can be fickle. Even the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrew language, had no vowels. Now imagine that. If you see dog, could it be dog or it could be dug or it could be dig? Only the context would help you discover. And so as we scratch at the Bible, we discover a complexity that is beneath the simplicity of just saying, the Bible says. That's why it takes discernment to study the Scriptures. Scripture is the first, tradition is the second. You remember three years ago when it was time and the deacons called us 
to study, is it time to consider same-sex marriage at Northside Drive Baptist Church? And we found a non-discrimination policy that we voted on as a church of who we are that comes out of the essence of what we believe. Tom Connolly was one who spoke, and Betty Connolly is here today. He stood right there and spoke about the issue of tradition, scripture tradition. Some of us believe that the traditions of faith were monolithic and uniform in what they would say about any kind of moral topic. But Tom was reminding us that it is not so, that all traditions have shades and variations and divergencies. It is important, though, I felt, that we look at tradition because that's one of the ways we learn. I also felt it was important that we as Baptists start with the Bible. For one thing, we don't want to go through a process and then get to the Bible. We want to start with the Bible, look at those texts that we think address anything, uh, in particular homosexuality and same-sex marriage, but the more we looked, the more we discovered that there was a lot of truth that wasn't on the surface that we could see as we studied. The third thing we did was work on reason. Now, if you grow up near the Mississippi Delta or lived there for several years like I did, you would swear that the earth is flat. You know, you can see as far as it stops, it must be flat. But we are people of reason. We've seen satellite images. We've seen the Greek uh, mathematicians measure the earth. It's, it's round. And so reason makes us translate our understanding beyond what we simply see. It takes re what is reasonable evidence. We consider that too. And then the fourth thing is experience. Scripture, tradition, reason, experience. Now if we are honest, it is really through the lens of experience that we actually look at the other three, right? We all look with jaundiced eyes at tradition and scripture and reason. But you can't overlook that we each bring experience that helps us understand what we're, what we're studying. The, the proof text in the Bible about this and the topic that I was mentioning is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember in Acts chapter 8, it was a deacon, Deacon Philip, who felt led by the Spirit to get on this chariot with an Ethiopian eunuch who was studying the Bible. And at the end of their discernment time and study time, the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, look, here's some water over here. What does hinder me from being baptized? Now, Philip knew his Bible as well as the Ethiopian eunuch. There's plenty in the Bible that hinders him. It's in the Levitical Code, the book of Numbers, I believe, that a eunuch will not be allowed in the assembly of God. Settled. However, here is the Holy Spirit usurping the Bible through the experience of the deacon and in the relationship that they were developing. Now, how about that? A few chapters later, it's Acts chapter 15. Simon Peter is called in before the Jerusalem council. Now, he's been out preaching and Gentiles have been converted. He even had this dream, you know, about kosher food. A sheep coming down from heaven, the Spirit says, eat anything you want, 
Peter says, oh, no, I'm, I'm a good Jew. I'm going to eat only the kosher. And God says, don't you tell me what you can't eat when I've declared all things good. And what, ex- what sense do you make of that? That here is plenty of dietary laws that the Spirit is overriding due to the experience of God's expanding umbrella of love and inclusion. So Simon Peter has to appear before these guys in the Jerusalem council. I, I can just imagine him coming in. Everybody's got the long beard, and uh, Peter walks in, and they go, Fee, fi, fo, fum. Who gave you to do the authority of uh, what you have done? And he says, well, that's a good question. I was wondering that very thing myself. I even went to this Gentile's house and said, I shouldn't be here, according to the Bible. But the Spirit brought me here. And when he experienced the Spirit in relationship in the room, Peter ended up baptizing them and welcoming to him, them to the faith. After Peter tells these guys at the Jerusalem council that's called him in on the carpet, according to the text, they go, well... The five-fold uh, fable. Uh, guess who God has ended up welcoming to God's wide table? The Gentiles are welcome too. All these sides of this equilateral triangle, quadrilateral tri- uh, uh, square, speaks of faithful authority. But that's just part of the memory of history. The other thing we need before we leave is the, the experience of hope. Where do you find hope? Again, we look to Jesus. We see Jesus in the Gospels. He did not wield hope like a sword. He claimed authority. Social theorist Max Weber, who wrote in the 19th and 20th century, described power as having a coercive bent, but authority as having a non-coercive Uh, relationship piece. Coercive as power, non-coercive as authority. We see plenty of both these days, don't we? Authority is earned. It is bestowed. It is claimed within relationship, but it is not leveraged or manipulated. The difference is in motive. Jesus, Jesus repeatedly exercises his authority through love. There's no political clout that he has, no military at his command, no social prestige, no wealth to his name, no leverage, no manipulation, but with authority he casts out demons, heals the sick, restores lives and community, and as Liz read, sent us out to make disciples because he's going to be with us. We get to eavesdrop all the time on this self-groundedness of Jesus in the life of God. He's always sneaking away to pray, to pray, to maintain that connection and man- manage his relationship to God. In recovery language, in recovery language, his authority came from his connection to his higher power. Right? In recovery language, Jesus' authority, sense of self, 
came from his connection to his higher power. You know that gospel song, Higher Ground? I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I'm thinking higher power is one who, who looks to God as higher ground. One of the stanzas I particularly love, I'm not real fond of the first piece of it, I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. You know, I'm not sure we need to live above the world. We need to live in the world. I mean, that's where Jesus sent us. Uh, those Satan's darts, you, know, you can go, you know, like that. At me or her. Well, we'll, uh, well Steve, Steve Sheely is back. We'll let him deal with that. But I like the next piece of the line. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. You love that? For faith has caught, what was that? Has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. It's, it's a melody and a memory that's already there, and you catch it. It's like going down the street and hearing a radio from a car. Do you hear the people sing, singing a song of angry men? And you go... Count me in. I, I, I want to be a part of the redemption of Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. You catch the sound. My, by faith, I've caught. What was that? The joyful sound. The song of saints on higher ground. For me, myself, my sense of my higher power is like that. It is not so much about systematic theology these days. It's more like the song of saints on higher ground, where God allows me to eavesdrop on what God is up to in the world. At some of the saddest of times, as I held Wilton Looney's hand while he was beginning to die, as I held Ken and Andy's hand as they stood at the altar and tied the knot, as I held the little hand of John Randolph Love. Remember Debbie and, and uh, Barry Love moved to Charlotte? He, John was born 18, John Randolph was born 18 years ago. I got the invitation like some of you did to his graduation, his high school graduation this week. And there was a note pinned from Barry at the bottom saying, you held his hand the first day to get to eavesdrop on what God is doing in our world that we can experience. And you let me lift up my, those hands at this table, the supper table, and say those favorite words, joining our voices with all the company of heaven. Because by faith, We've caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. So go on. Live your lives. It'll be all right. You already have everything you need. Amen.
de dedication and discipleship is given. And you know that gospel hymn I was referencing? Guess what? It's in your hand. Higher ground. We'll be singing it as a hymn of dedication. And so listen in to catch the song of saints. They're already on higher ground. Let's stand together and sing. As the choir comes to uh, prepare our offertory, here are a few concerns of the church to share, even as a family gathers around the table to share news. 
First is, you'll find out uh, on the table just outside of uh, this door that uh, Anna Kate and the Children's Committee are forming a pen pal um, relationship so that you can write uh, and, and form a, a, a friendship with the children of our church. They've got the names, you can sign up who you want to write, and uh, that's out there. It'll be there for several weeks. Uh, please participate. As was mentioned in the uh, prayer earlier, and as many of you have seen, uh, Wilton Looney, uh, one of our older members and a significant member, has died this week. And uh, the funeral will be on Wednesday. It will be in our sanctuary, and it will be at 11 uh, a.m. Uh, I know that Jack and Joey have already uh, volunteered to be ushers. We're going to need all the hands we can get to uh, get this done. If you would like to volunteer, call the church office. Will Matthews will be there tomorrow uh, to, to answer that phone. It could be that we even borrow Trinity Prez's parking lot. We're in conversation with them to have shuttle buses because we're guessing that the sanctuary will be full um, uh, on Wednesday. Um, and we pray for Sylvia and Bruce and for, for all their families, all their families. One lighthearted thing I have to mention, um, it's, it's sad and lighthearted. Some of you have already heard the news about the steeple of the sanctuary. On Friday with the big storm, the steeple fell off and fell onto the roof and, yeah, punched a hole in it. And the water was running through at the wedding rehearsal we had here on Friday. Here's another picture of that. <laughs> this was taken when that was installed. You see a guy hanging on the cross here. The crane was lifting him up to put him on top. That was actually our ritual of when there's a new moderator. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we put him on the cross and then take him up to the front of the steeple. All of this has fallen down to here. But we think we can go ahead with the funeral on Wednesday. But uh, we have scientists working on that. That happened on Friday. And uh, now you know that news. We pray for Jerry Humphreys, who's in the hospital right now with bronchitis. We invite all to participate in communion later in the service. It'll be served among the pews. You'll be served the bread first, so wait until we eat that together. Then you'll be served the cup. Wait until we drink uh, that together. All are invited uh, to participate in the Lord's table. Sometimes you don't know you're hungry until you taste. All are invited. Um, the hymn we'll sing at the end of the service is one of the oldest hymns on record. And that, was, that news was brought to me by our liturgist in residence. And that would be Jeff McConaughey. So drink deeply from that. Now we will hear uh, a song that we, uh, many of us know as we tune our hearts to sing God's grace. Let's continue the worship of God by the giving of tithes and offerings.
At this time, we will observe the service of Holy Communion, even as we give thanks to the choir for already leading us to uh, the song of saints on higher ground and the joyful voices of heaven. So let us read now responsively. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, and after supper, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
the gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised, and therefore let us come to the table in thanksgiving and in hope.
Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you.
Jesus said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us stand together for prayer. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table, for we have celebrated the presence and promise of Christ. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, for we have heard the joyful sound, and we are inspired by the Spirit to claim the name of Christ on higher ground. Amen. As we prepare to go, remember, go on and live your life. It'll be all right enough. You already have everything you need. You are given the authority to be the church by the holy and risen Christ. Now I'm going to pronounce the benediction that we all hear. I have been asked by the chair of the Building and Facilities Committee, who whispered to me behind the communion table, that there will be a committee meeting today. <clears throat> you can guess what the topic is for five minutes out on the steps so that they can all get a good look together. As we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and may the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. Amen.